This podcast is a presentation of Nags Head Church. Stay tuned and find us online at nagsheadchurch.com and on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Nags Head Church. Good morning. Good singing. I was sitting over there. I could hear you singing nice and loud. That was good. Hey, how about this cool weather we're having? Isn't it glorious? There's nothing like living in an oven. Um, as you can tell, my body's a machine. And this machine's optimal sleeping temperature is 69 degrees. The house must be 69 degrees. If it's 70, this body will not sleep. When I went to bed last night, my house was 77. Air conditioner could not keep up. I lay there in bed praying for snow. <laughs> Dear Lord, let it snow. Finally, at 1.30 a.m., I was able to go to sleep. So if I see, seem a little sluggish today, it's because the two cups of coffee are battling with the lack of sleep with me today. Hey, so I grew up in a Christian home my whole life, my mom and dad. I know sometimes we say Christian home, that can mean a lot of things in America, but my family was a Christian family. My, my mom and dad were believers, followers of Jesus Christ. In fact, my dad was a pastor. My mom played piano in the church. That, that's not what made them Christians, but that's what they did in the church. And so I grew up in a Christian home. And our family by no means is perfect, right? I mean, every week you're encountering Pastor Rick and me, right? So you see that while there is some perfection, not always right? But uh, no family's perfect. We all know that. And in our home growing up, you never heard, uh, I don't know if you say curse word, I say cuss word. You never heard a cuss word spoken uh, growing up in our home. In fact, when I was a kid, I remember one time I said, that's bull. I didn't finish the phrase, but my mom came unglued. I got too close to the edge, right? You didn't even do that in our home. Uh, If we were watching TV, which, by the way, was a black and white TV. I did not have color until I got married in 1986. We were watching TV. If there was a cuss word on the show or the movie, my mom or dad was like, change the channel, right? And back then we didn't look for the remote. It was Andy. I was the youngest. I had to get up and change the channel, right? We had three channels to work from. So there were nights you would surf the three channels, and there were nights... Somebody in Hollywood wanted to let out a dirty word, and I was find myself sitting in the living room with no TV, right, as a kid growing up. Uh, we, didn't, we didn't even watch shows like that. So I grew up in an atmosphere, a family setting, where foul, foul language didn't happen in the home. Now, for my parents, that wasn't the way they were raised. It was different for them than it was for me. Um, I also grew up in a home with parents who didn't belittle me with words, who didn't tear me down with words. Uh, I never heard, you know, you're, you're so stupid, even though I know they saw my credit, my, uh, I'm going to say credit card, <laughs> my report card, right? They saw my report card, but they never said, hey, uh, you're so stupid, or you're dumb, you're worthless, you're good for nothing. Never heard anything from that, like that from my parents. I mean, if you want to hear some parenting that will anger you, you just go hang out in Walmart for the day. Whoo, I hear some stuff. And I'm like, oh, man, it, it gets me a little bit angry sometimes when I hear the way parents talk to their kids. It's sad. One time we were at Bush Gardens, right? I think if you go to an amusement park, I mean, amusement is a key word there. It should be fun. And I remember one time, and I'm a little smart mouth sometimes, 
One time we were there, and a family went by. It was parents and two teenage um, children, which we all know how that works with teenage kids sometimes. And they're walking, and they are just going at it. And I said out loud, enjoy your day at the park. Right? I was just that smart aleck. Um, so you hear away parents sometimes talk to their kids, and it can make you angry. So I didn't grow up hearing foul language being used at home. Um, it wasn't part of my life. I myself didn't cuss. As a teenager, I never never felt the need to use cuss words because even though my report cards were basically Ds, I knew I was more intelligent and could use smarter and wiser language uh, when I spoke to people. And so I didn't even cuss as a teenager uh, to be cool or popular. I was just popular naturally. Um, or any of that mess, you know. So the summer after my freshman year, I spent my first season in professional baseball uh, with the Mets, um, single-A Mets. I wasn't that good of a baseball player. That's why I was the clubhouse manager. And uh, so I made sure my job was basically to make sure the players had everything they needed to take care of their needs while they're at the ballpark, make sure their uniforms were clean. I know how to get out grass stains. To make sure that the batting helmets are shiny, I know the secrets to doing that. And so I had these responsibilities and tests. So I would get to the baseball field at about 10 a.m., and I'd work till about 1 or 2 a.m. on game days. Uh, when they were out of town, I just laid at the pool and enjoyed life. Uh, but so I was around. I went from an atmosphere of no foul language to single-A baseball. Let me just say, you've heard the, say, the saying, you know, he curses like a sailor. Let me say this, he cursed like a single-A ball player, right? Every word in the book would be used. And if they were mad or angry the words would fly even faster and louder. So I found myself going from a cozy, <laughs> the safe bubble, to just a wide-open exposure to all kinds of things uh, there in my summer job, which was a great job. I enjoyed it. But then it happened. Now, can I be transparent with you today? And I know it's just going to crush some of you, how you view me, but it happened. I was uh, in the clubhouse one night, late at night, cleaning, and I was wearing my standard footwear, flip-flops, right? And I'm cleaning, and I come around the corner of some lockers, and my big toe catches a bench. And I was like, da beep beep da beep 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 I went off. And when I got done, I was like, oh, I am glad Mama's not here. <laughs> right? Because all of a sudden, I went from an environment where you never heard that to an environment where I heard it all day, hours upon hours a day, and it was just getting soaked into my brain. And uh, so for that split second, I, I was a, uh, you know, I, I was the person that had no potty mouth to all of a sudden, boom, potty mouth. Happened just that quick. And for a Christ follower, that should not be. We're in this series of raising the bar, which has been challenging in many ways in our life, and we got more uh, messages coming, and I've enjoyed this summer series that we're doing. And, and it all starts off with this, and I want to read First Peter 1.16 to you. It says, for the scriptures say, you must be holy because I am holy. And we look, that's a high bar. And we look at that and we think, how am I ever going to do that? The great thing as a Christ follower, we have God's Holy Spirit living in our life to help us meet that bar. So the bar has been raised. And today, some of us are going to be challenged to step it up when it comes to the words we use, the language we use, and how we use our words the attitude behind some of the words that we use. And I'll be uh, honest in preparing this message. I stepped on my own toes several times. Uh, not with the, I don't really let curse words fly, but I do sometimes. I do have 
um, the gift of sarcasm. And so I have to rein that back sometimes. And sometimes I'll let anger drive my words. And so my toes were stepped on as, as I prepared this for us today. Um, I've been guilty in letting my vocabulary not be the best it could be. And I found this quote, and I love it. I want to read this to you. Um, I usually don't do poems and quotes and messages, but I found this and I thought this is a good one. Words are seeds that do more than blow around. They land in our hearts and not on the ground. Be careful what you plant and careful what you say. You might have to eat what you planted one day. How many of you have ever eaten your words? Yes. How many of you have ever spoken the word and once it leaves your tongue, you're like, can I have that back? Right? We used to live in a society where we communicated. We would talk to each other, right, verbally. Now we're doing this, right? How many of you have ever let things fly with your little thumbs and once you hit send, you're like, oh, crud, I should not have done that. I'm the only one. Oh, okay, six of us. That's great. Bunch of liars. So, and we're going to talk a little bit about lying this morning as well. So let's go to Ephesians chapter 4, verses 25 to 31. And uh, I'm reading from the New Living Translation. It might be a little different from yours, but uh, we're going to go through these verses for a minute. Um, Ephesians 4, verse 25. So stop telling lies. Let us tell our neighbors the truth. You might want to under, underline stop, because sometimes people have a problem with lying. There. What do I do about it? Well, you just stop it, right? Let us stop telling lies. Let us tell our neighbors the truth. For we are all parts of the same body. And don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you are still angry. For anger gives a foothold to the devil. If you're a thief, quit stealing. Instead, use your hands for good hard work and then give generously to others in need. Don't. You might want to underline that word. Don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything. I would underline that. I underlined it in my notes. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. Now, here's what should motivate us to do this. All right, this is what the motivation should be. Verse 30. And do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. Listen, the words we say is part of the way we live. Don't bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit. Remember, he has identified you as his own, guaranteeing you that you will be saved on the day of redemption. Get rid of, I underline that, get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander as well as all types of evil behavior. Um, Some of you know, and I've shared some stories before, but I worked for a couple years at a dairy farm. Um, From uh, Monday to Friday in the mornings, I was the morning milk technician. That's a name I made up. And uh, I would get there at 5 a.m., and I would show up to the barn, dairy barn. I'd get everything ready to milk the cows, and... Uh, the cows or the girls, as we like to call them, no offense, ladies, they would be at the door ready to come in. Most of the time, some days they slept in and I'd have to go out and call them and they would come. And and I would spend the morning uh, milking cows for a few hours and taking care of all the farm chores that you have to do that comes along with that. Um, so there are about 65 to 70 cows I would work with every day. If you've ever been in a, a dairy barn, Uh, your first visit might cause you to reconsider drinking dairy products. That's just honest with you. I saw stuff at the dairy farm. I was like, ooh, that's nasty, right? 
But this morning, I put half and half in my coffee. Last night, I did eat ice cream, right? So I haven't totally written off dairy products, even though I worked at a dairy farm. Um, so while the cows are being milked, their face is in a feeder, and they're eating. Feed drops automatically. You set it for each cow. Just here's a side interest. The better the cow, the more milk the cow gave, the more feed we fed them. All right? So played a mind game with the cows. And uh, so they're eating, but they also do all other bodily functions while you're milking them. All right? So when I would come home from the dairy farm, I would, I would smell like cow manure and cow urine. There were times there was just no escaping it. It was going to get on you, right? And so I would come home just smelling bad. And we had a sunroom on the back of our house, and it was attached to the laundry room. And I'd walk into the laundry room, and I would strip down on my skibbies and uh, throw everything right into the wash. Every, every time I came back from the dairy farm, everything went right into the washer, immediately washed it, because to my wife, it smelled bad. To me, it smelled like money, right? But I would, I would wash the clothes. And uh, I took off what was stinky about me and, and put those clothes off. I dealt with us, dealt with it, took care of the stench. Uh, some of us Christ followers have the stench of foul language and harsh words on us and about us. And, and some struggle to put these things out of their lives. And, and there were times when I worked at the dairy farm, I would get done at about 9, 9.30 in the morning. I was hungry. And so I would go to the local cafe and eat lunch before going home. Nobody wanted to sit near me. I always had just a big open space around me. Because of the stench, no one wanted to be near me. Uh, but the thing was, the stench of the dairy no longer bothered me. After a few work, weeks of work in there, didn't bother me, didn't phase me. But everybody else, it did phase them. Some of us have that stench in our language, and it no longer bothers us, doesn't even phase us. Verse 30 said, Do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit, by the way you live. Second Corinthians 5.17, great verse. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. Hey, Christ followers, we are new in Christ, which means our language should be new. Our language should be different than those who do not know Jesus Christ because it reflects a changed life. The way we live the way we talk reflects a changed life. So we need to put off some things. First of all, we need to put off words that don't reflect a life changed by Jesus Christ. What are those words? Lying is one of it. You know, when we use our words to lie, there's no room in a believer's life for lying. Proverbs twenty-five eighteen, which by the way, if you're like, I need to clean up some language in my life, I need to work on this, maybe how I talk to people, the, the words that I use, just search in the Proverbs. You'll find a boatload of verses that can help you. Proverbs 25, 18. Telling lies about others is harmful as hitting them with an axe, wounding them with a sword, or shooting them with a sharp arrow. You or I, at least I hope, <laughs> You are, we would never think to hit someone with an axe, right? We wouldn't cut someone with a sword or stab them with an arrow. That's crazy. But lying is just like doing that. When we lie about someone, we're causing damage to them. Uh, we need to put off foul language. That's where it said corrupt speech. La language words that are corrupt. 
coarse jokes or foul jokes or off-color jokes. Um, here's my question for you. Don't answer this out loud. Do you ever find yourself laughing at a joke or a sitcom on TV that's making humor of something that actually breaks God's heart? I've done that. I've been watching. I love humor. I love comedies. And I've been watching TV before, and I'm laughing my head off. And then I realize, wait a second. They're making jokes about the very thing Jesus Christ went to the cross for. What am I doing? Why am I laughing at that? Shows there's a problem. And then you're like, well, what, what do we watch on TV? Well, if you don't watch, you don't watch. You won't die. Um, coarse jokes. Do you find yourself in a group of people and, a, and something's told off color and you laugh with everyone else? That's something that breaks God's heart. Uh, put off foul language, coarse jokes, lying. Put off, uh, put off words that damage. Those words would be harsh words or the slander. Those are the things we need to put off. We've got to get rid of. There's no place in our lives. It's just like me taking off the dairy clothes. We've got to get rid of it. Um, I spent quite a bit of time a few weeks ago, about three weeks ago, on the phone, not on the phone actually, on my computer with my cellular provider in a live chat. I've decided that's the easiest way to talk to people. And, and uh, so... I'm on the phone with uh, my cellular provider, on the chat with my cellular provider, and trying to straighten some things out because we got rid of uh, Misha's phone, switched her to a different carrier, and I was about to switch Tide to a different carrier to save money. And so I'm trying to get all that clear. And before I entered into this text chat with this person, I made the conscious decision uh, to not be that customer that the employee on the other end would dread dealing with, right? Sometimes we think, you know, hey, they can't see me. They don't know me. I'll tell them what I really think, right? And so uh, do you ever take note of how you talk uh, to an employee at a business or a waiter or a waitress or someone who's just doing their job? And uh, I've had waiters and waitresses tell me before that one of the worst shifts to work is Sunday lunch because the church people come out to lunch and they're grumpy I don't understand that. Left church grumpy. Some of you are going to leave grumpy today because you don't like what I'm saying. I'm just the mailman. They're grumpy and they don't tip well, right? And uh, if you wait on tables and that's true, let me hear an amen. Um, I found myself on this chat for about a half an hour to 45 minutes with this young lady, the girl on the other end. She was very polite, very helpful. Um, she was just doing her job and it took time. Uh, for her to do what she was doing. And uh, so I made this conscious effort towards self-control because there were a few times I thought, man, it's got to be easier. You know, you want to type, it's got to be easier than this. What do you think you're doing? You know, but I made the effort. And uh, at the end, this girl, her name was Charlotte, at least that's what the text box said, said that she said, thanks for being so patient and understanding and kind. I don't get customers like you. I thought, am I the only Christian calling Verizon? Surely not. Now, I'm not saying this to toot my own horn. Uh, I'm telling you, I had to make the effort towards self-control. And, and, and basically, that's what it boils down to in life as a believer. Am I going to walk in the spirit or walk in the flesh? I wrote all these notes down on Monday. Friday, my lovely wife tells me, 
about our new cellular bill. I'm the only one on it. I've gotten Misha and Ty, I've moved them elsewhere to save money. $186. Thank you. I was like, and I was like, I'm getting on that computer now. Right? And I got on there, and I remembered as I was there, I was like, oh, crud, I'm preaching Sunday, and I already told that, typed that story into my notes. And I, so I just was like, hi, I hope you're having a great day. Can you tell me how this can be? I have an $80 a month unlimited plan. How am I to pay $186 for that? And through some time and conversation with this young lady, we figured it out. They made a mistake. I didn't blast them. I was like, thank you for fixing this and moved on. You have to make this decision to have self-control sometimes when it comes to the words you use and how you use them. But why can words be such a difficult struggle for us? Um, it's because this, the tongue is powerful. James chapter 3. We're going to read some verses from James chapter 3. And, and I'm sure if, if you've been a Christian any length of time, you've probably read these verses and the great verses that have to do with, with our mouths. James 3 says, Dear brothers and sisters, not many of you should become teachers in the church. For we who teach will be judged more strictly. Indeed, we all make many mistakes. For if we could control our tongues, we would be perfect and could also control ourselves in every other way. We can make a large horse go wherever we want by the means of a small bit in its mouth. Now, next at church, folks, you remember I shared my story about my horse, Zach. Right? I got him as a little baby. I raised him up. And remember, I built that shed that didn't work. I don't know if any of you remember that story, but I had this horse named Zach. And I started out when he was little, I would take the saddle blanket. And the first day I had him tied up and I eased that up on his back because he had never had anything touch him like that. And he was a little antsy, right? And I'd move it around and I worked through that to where I was flinging it up on him and letting it drop, getting him used to that because I did not want that horse one day when he was huge to kick the fire out of me, right? And so I did that. And then I was like, all right, next, next stage, the saddle. So I put the saddle, if you ride horses, you understand. I put the stirrup on the saddle horn, and I set it up on his back, real gentle, right? And he didn't like it, and I moved it around, and I kept doing that over and over. Period of days, I worked on this. Then I started taking that stirrup off and laying it on his other side, getting him used to that. Then I worked to the place where I got the stirrup up, and I let her drop, Boop, and it hit him, and he'd flinch, but he didn't do anything. Worked on that, worked on, worked on that. Well, then, you know, worked on tightening up the saddle, all that. Then I got to the point where now Zach has to have a bit in his mouth if I'm going to ride him. So let me just tell you, he did not like that process. And the first few days, it was not easy to get that bit in his mouth. But I worked with him and worked with him to the point where I could get him totally saddled up, bit in his mouth, ready to go. I'd lead him around. I'd pull on the reins. Before I got on him, I would jump up on his back and you know, come up on my belly on his saddle just to get him used to that. I would put my foot in the, in the stirrup and get him used to that. But I got to the point where it was now time to ride this horse who has never been ridden. Now, I, I know when you look at me, you go, hey, there's a cowboy. <laughs> right? I do have bow legs. That's about the extent of it. Um, don't tell anyone. There were times I rode my horse with flip-flops. Uh, so I was like, what do I do? There's a kid in town. 
16 years old. He, he went on to be a professional rodeo guy. They lived at a working ranch. And, and I called EP and I said, hey, man, can you break my horse for me? He said, yeah, I'll do it. I'll do it very gently. I'll keep him for about 30 days. And when I give him back to you, he'll be ready to ride. It's like, awesome. So I trailer, put Zach in the trailer, took him out to the ranch, dropped him off, and uh, left him with EP, and he started working with him. He called me in about two weeks and said, do you want to come ride your horse? I was like, wow, that was quick. Yeah, so I went on out there. He had him in the rodeo arena ready for me to ride. I got up on him, a little nervous, because I didn't know what he was going to do. And, and, he, and, he, and I took off, riding, you know, got, trotting around the arena. Then I galloped, and then I got him running. And I was pulling the reins, and I pulled left. He went left. Yeah, you're a sharp group. Right? I would go right. Whoa. I'd pull back just a little bit, and he would stop. And sometimes, because he's working on a ranch, their whole thing with horses is about cattle. Sometimes if you pull hard and hit whoa, he would just lock the brakes up and slide. I was like, oh, wow. I'm dad burn John Wayne. <laughs> right? So I'm, uh, sorry, I said dad burn. That's a kitty cuss word. So I, I'm on him, and he even gave him a reverse gear. You could pull both reins back at the same time while you're standing, and the horse would just start moving backwards. And then he kept him a couple more weeks. Um, there at the ranch, and he, he roped cattle off of them. He rounded up cattle. He did everything a horse does at a cattle ranch. And then he came back to the plush, plush life at my house, you know, where he, had, he didn't have to really work, um, so except when I got on him because I'm a heavy man. But that bit, that little piece of metal about this big, in the mouth of that 800, 900-pound animal, right, I could control everything he did with that bit in his mouth. We can make a horse go wherever we want with that small bit in its mouth. It says in verse 4, a small rudder makes a huge ship turn wherever the pilot chooses to go. Even though the winds are strong, in the same way the tongue is small, is a small thing that makes grand speeches. But a tiny spark can set a great forest on fire. And among all the parts of the body, the tongue is a flame of fire. It's a whole world of wickedness corrupting your entire body. It can set your whole life on fire. When I type that verse out, I put that in bold. It can set your whole life on fire, for it is set on fire by hell itself. It's verse 7. People can tame all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and fish, but no one can tame the tongue. It's a restless evil full of deadly poison. Sometimes it praises our Lord and Father, and sometimes it curses those who have been made in the image of God. Today we sang and we praised our Lord and Father. This afternoon, we're going to get on that four-lane road out there and have to really stop and think what we're going to say about that person made in the image of God that seems to think it's good to go 25 in the left lane when it's 50. So you're going to get the test today. Verse 10, And so blessing and cursing come pouring out of the same mouth. Surely, my brothers and sisters, this is not right. Does a spring of water bubble out with both fresh and bitter water? Does a fig tree produce olives or a grapevine produce figs? No. And you can't draw fresh water from a salty spring. Anyone ever drank from a spring before? When I was a little kid, I got to do that. I went to uh, some friends had a farm. Out there in the farm, they had this clump of trees out in the middle of a the field. They put barbed wire all around to keep the cattle out. And we went out there, and on, hanging on the truck, the tree trunk were some tin cups. And on the ground was this big puddle, clear water, sand, and you could see it bubbling up. 
and you would put the cup in, it was ice cold, and it tasted great, right? You never dipped in and went, ooh, salt water, right? Some of you are experienced inhaling and swallowing salt water this week, right? So totally, it's not refreshing, right? Um, so how many of you drink coffee? Amen. You are Christians. Uh, so you ever go to the coffee you, you, if you have a Keurig, all right, and you hit the wrong button, you got the small mug, and you hit the bigger mug button, and it feels like all the way up to the brim. Or if you're like me, you pour it in there, and then you add your stuff. I don't put sugar in it because, like I said, I'm a machine. But I put my half and half. Sometimes you get it all the way to the top, right? It's on the kitchen counter, and you're looking at it, and you're thinking, now I have to walk, right, from here to the kitchen table or from here to the recliner. Or for me, I like to go out on the front porch when it's not hot like an oven outside and drink my coffee in the morning. So your option is you've got to carry it, and you could go like this and slurp some out, but it's on fire. It's so hot. So you carry it, right? And you're carrying it, and I have figured out the secret to success is you do not look at the coffee mug. Don't look at it, right? Because you'll overcorrect. You're walking, you start seeing it shake, and you're trying to fix that, and you shake more. What happens when that coffee cup starts to shake? What pours out? Coffee. And then you're looking at the floor and going, I really need that coffee. Should I lick that up? (laughs) You know, it spills and you're like, what do I do? What's on the inside is going to come out of my mouth. Uh, What we feed on will eventually show up in our lives. That's why when I was at the baseball stadium and all of a sudden I'm immersed into the foul words all day long. That's why when I hurt my big toe, that was the first thing that came out because I had been filling my mind with that for weeks. Can both salt and fresh water come from the same spring? No. That little bit of salt water will ruin the fresh water. Luke 6.45, this isn't on the screen. I I forgot to give this to the team. Luke 6.45, you can write this address down. It says, a good person produces good things from a treasury of a good heart. An evil person produces evil things from the treasury of an evil heart. What you say flows from what is in your heart. When the coffee cup of life gets shaken, what comes out of your mouth? Proverbs fifteen twenty eight. That's also, you might want to write that address down. It says, the heart of the godly thinks carefully before speaking. The mouth of the wicked overflows with evil words. Next point is this. The harsh words I use will damage me. Proverbs eleven seventeen, Your own soul is nourished when you are kind, but you destroy yourself when you are cruel. When you mistreat that person that works somewhere that you just don't like their customer service or whatever it might be, when you talk mean to them, belittle them down, talk down to them, you're damaging yourself because you destroy yourself when you are cruel. And we have to recognize what sets us off, right? Unless you're just like the super saint, the kindest, most humblest person in the world, nothing ever sets you off. I just need to hang out with you and learn from you. Most of us have something that sets us off. Anger quite often leads us to saying some pretty harsh and cruel words. 
when's the last time you call someone an idiot or some other word out of total anger? Uh, I have, uh, and I'm told you I'm going to be transparent today. My whole life, I grew up wondering this question. When I'm sitting at the dinner table and someone's making a mouth noise, why do I want to punch them? And and I'm I'm dead serious. It's a it's like it's an, it's an anger thing in me. I'm like, oh, right? And and so some friends know about this that I struggled with this in life. And then one day, Rich Coleman calls me, and he's like, Andy, you got to turn on. I don't know what show Kelly Ripa has, but he said, turn this on. You've got misophonia. I'm like, what is it? So I turn it on, and she's describing. I'm like, oh my, this is me, right? I didn't go to WebMD to look it up because whenever you go to WebMD, pretty much you're dying. Whatever, go see the doctor. You're dying. People, when they smack their lips, you want to kill them, you're dying. Go see the doctor. Um, so uh, I started to research this, and I'm self, I'm self, um, whatever you call that. Yeah, self-diagnosed. Thank you. And uh, it's described in the Journal of Psych- Psychiatry and Clinical Psycho. Pharmacology, that's a big word, detailed involuntary violence exhibited by a sufferer in response to a trigger in the form of another person eating loudly. (laughs) If you have to chew your mashed potatoes and I've got to hear that, I want to punch you in the thyroid. I'm just being honest. My brain says thyroid punch. Mashed potatoes go on a spoon and you just swallow. It's like ice cream. Who chews vanilla ice cream? What are you even thinking, right? So when I sit at meals, and some of you have eaten with me at lifeguard dinners and other occasions, believe me, I'm evaluating how you chew. The noises you make, and I'm deciding, is it worth thyroid punching him? Right? Uh, That sets me off. Um, it's a trigger. And you might say, Andy, you're a terrible person. I have no control over it. It's been since I was a little kid. I've always thought this. And, and, and if somebody in the room opens a bag of chips and starts eating them and crunching, even if I'm not hungry, I have to get chips and eat them to cover that sound so I don't get angry. Isn't that crazy? Right? Misophonia. Some of you suffer from this. You're just discovering this today. You're like, oh, that's why I wanted to punch my grandma that day, Right? <laughs> Um, if you want to pop your gum, I want to pop your face. <laughs> and I, and you go, you're terrible, Andy. No, I don't. I'm not consciously saying this is what I want to do. It, it my brain says do this, right? Thank the Lord for the Holy Spirit and self control, right? Things set us off. Um, it, you know, you're sitting in church and you're like, okay. Music's over. It's quiet. The pastor's starting to read the scripture now. Couldn't do it when the music was loud. Right? No. Can't sing with a mint in my mouth. When you do this in church, near me, thyroid punch. And, and here's the other question. Why does it take so long to open this little plastic? Right? 
Well, I could go home. I could get in my car, go home. Can I vent? I will go home, paint my entire house, take a shower, get dressed, come back, and you're still sitting there. Oh, yeah. This is going to be so good when I finally get this out of the bag. And I understand because I'm at that stage in life where all of a sudden when you get old, the, 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 the strength is just gone. Like I'm like, here, son, my 10-year-old, can you open this bag of chips for me? I, I can't, I can't, I can't. Right? So you go that. Clicking pens. Mm. Mm-mm, mm-mm. One time in the old building, Misha and I were sitting there on the other side of Misha was a partner in our church who's still a partner today, even after this moment. And he was click, 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 click. You do it. You don't realize you're doing it. But everybody else around you does. And the people like me with misophonia, thyroid punch. Misha finally said to the gentleman, if you click that pen one more time, Andy's going to go off on you. She could see me. I was getting tense. I was like, I've got to leave church. I can't listen to the message. I'm going to go home today without hearing the word because of click, 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 click. Right? The tap of the shoe. I was sitting right here over here on the third row one Sunday, and a, and a lady was sitting on the front row, and the bottom of her shoe was a leather, just a leather flat. I don't know what you call them. Are they called flats? I only wear flip-flops. And she should get rubber flip-flops. And she was sitting there, tap, 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 tap. The whole time Rick was preaching. You know what I did? I got up and left. I couldn't take it. I was like, I can't punch this lady in church. <laughs> Right? I've got to go. So I went out in the lobby and listened on the speakers. I'm just being transparent with you all. We all have something in our lives that sets us off. And uh, if we don't allow the Holy Spirit to control us, we blow it. We lose our self-control. And when a believer struggles with foul language uh, and they say, hey, they're just words, that's a believer trying to justify an area of their life that they do not want to give the Lord control over. I want to just keep talking like I always have. Before I knew Jesus Christ, I talked like this. I want to just keep that little bit to myself. God has changed our hearts and our mouths should quickly follow. So why is this so important? Our words impact our witness. What we say, how we say it, uh, is just as important as how we live out our lives. And I can't, you can't, we can't effectively share the love of God if our words don't reflect the love of God. What we say and how we say it impacts our witness to a world that needs to see the difference that God makes in our everyday life from even in our speech, the things we say and how we say it. They're not just watching the Christian, they're listening to the Christian. So what do we replace those words with? We replace those sometimes silence. Uh, Proverbs eleven twelve says, It is foolish to belittle a neighbor. A person with good sense remains silent. Sometimes we just got to be quiet, right? Sometimes you just walk away. I, I um, on Facebook a lot. Sometimes I see things that are just not right, aren't correct, aren't proper, and I just like. Sometimes I just well, I, most of the time I just, I remain silent with my fingers. Um, we have to remain silent. Sometimes uh, we replace that with encouraging words. Hebrews 10.25, let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. Some people are just natural encouragers. I am not. 
right? You do a good job. I think in my mind, I'm glad they're doing a good job because that's what we should all be doing, right? That's what my brain says. And I don't, so I have to consciously think, hey, Lori, fabulous job pouring that coffee this morning. Great job, right? I have to think to do that. Some people do it naturally. But we need to replace the harsh and mean rules, the words, the cruel words with encouraging words. Ephesians 4.29 says, let everything you say be good and helpful. Underline everything. Everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. We can replace those words with uplifting words. Proverbs 18.4. A person's words can be life-giving water. Words of true wisdom are refreshing as a bubbling brook. Are your words refreshing to others? Mother Teresa said this, kind words can be short and easy to speak, but their echoes are truly endless. You know how you feel when somebody says a kind word to you, encourages you, uplifts you in some way? You feel great. You can replace it with God-pleasing words. Psalm 19, 14. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. You might want to underline that. Uh, mouth and the meditation of my heart. Just to remind yourself, or draw an arrow from mouth to heart, because there's that connection. What's in here is going to come out of here. And then lastly, what you can replace it with is speak truth motivated by love. Ephesians 4.15 Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. Speak the truth in love. Sometimes we speak the truth, but it's not motivated by love. It's motivated by anger, frustration, stress. We need to speak the truth in love. Sometimes we need to hear the truth when it's shared in love as believers, and not bow up and get mad and angry because someone has spoken the truth to us, motivated by love. Let's pray. Father God, I, I thank you for this day and this time to be together and to look at your word. God, we have so many opportunities with our mouths to um, encourage others, to lift others up. God, we have so many opportunities to choose the right words, words that would be pleasing to you. God, help us as we leave this place today to um, use the right words, God, to apply these scripture verses we've read about our mouth, our heart, our language, and the attitude that drives them. Lord, help us to get out in this world and live and speak differently so that others notice the difference that you make in our lives. Amen. This has been a presentation of Nags Head Church. Love God, love others, reach the world.